Guys, what just happened? What just happened today? The first time a French driver has won in a French team in a French engine car since Prost in 1983 at Austria. It's almost like Wolverhampton Wanderers have won the Premier League and they've got behind them uh, what is it, Crystal Palace? And then it's Chelsea. And in, in the cricketing terms, it would be like Sri Lanka winning the World Cup with India and Australia right behind them. Just a, a manic, manic race at the Hungarian Grand Prix. And on this episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits to Podium, this is what we are going to discuss. It's a stacked episode. We have to discuss, well, is this the best race that we have ever seen? Discussing more about the most bizarre start ever, even more bizarre than USA 2005, by the way. More on Alonso's masterclass in statesmanship. Also, we get stats reviewed by Sundaram, which is going to be stunning. And there's news of onions being cut at Williams. So more on that later on in this episode. Finally, discussing the championship implications and answering all your questions from social media. And there are so many because this just probably has to be one of the best races that we've ever watched. So let's not waste any time. Let's get down to answering all of them. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch the Podium. Well, hello there, folks. I think... We've just got enough time to catch our breaths after all that's happened at the Hungara Ring. And my name is Samuel Arora, folks, joined by Kunal Shah. I know that intro sounded a bit clunky because I'm, I'm just so excited to get to all the points on speaking about Formula 1 and speaking about the race today. And Kunal, I think it's a testament that you don't need a million mile long kilometer straight, uh, mile kilometer long straight, you don't need a million kilometer long straight, basically. You just need a good circuit, some context, and a slight bit of drama. Now, and I might be wondering, teams might be cursing rain so much because it's put up such a big dent in their budget cap list now. W- what a manic race. Uh, seriously, driver of the day, who, who have you got in store? Oh, wow. It's, it's difficult to not choose Fernando Alonso. Hmm. For once, you know, I agree with the fan vote that happened. For once, I even bothered that, oh, there's a fan vote that happened. Not that I voted, but I saw the results of it. And I liked it when Rosanna called, uh, you know, Fernando and said, not bad for an old man or whatever. But Somil, I have to agree. It was a phenomenal race. Again, recency bias. I'm human, much as you uh, you all are. Uh my mind can't think of a more exciting race since a while. And this is exactly where I know the likes of you, Sundaram, Lucian will all jump in and say, oh, 2019, we had this race, phenomenal. 2020, we had this race, phenomenal. But, you know, my mind also goes to the fact that uh, maybe it was a great start, okay, in both, uh, the, both, both the times that we had a start. It was a great start that led to a great race as well. And, you know, my mind, of course, goes to Bottas and his mistake. And then, more importantly, the single car that yeah. took the restart. Yeah. I I couldn't stop laughing when I heard I race as one on Twitter. <laughs> Some random fan put it up with that one shot of Lewis with the medical car behind him. This one. And, you know, it was, it was, and, you know, Alan Van Der Boe, the medical driver, actually, uh, the medical car driver, actually, wrote on Twitter, thank you for not sort of embarrassing us. But can you imagine, had Lewis <laughs> pitted, I don't know who they would have run uh, the restart uh, for, Somil. But yeah, yeah oh, so pumped up. 
Actually, uh, this gets us right into one of the questions that we had on social media. Uh, There's literally one right here, I think from Shilp, who said that what if Hamilton would have pitted? There would have been nobody starting and it would be everyone from the pit lanes. But Hamilton was so exhausted in the podium ceremony. Of course, what a race, what a one it was. And, And I showed the photo on the screen right there if you're watching the video. What a manic one. And and it led to a grid order that genuinely got me laughing. It was Ocon, Vettel, Latifi, Sonora, Sainz, Alonso, Russell, Raikkonen, Ricciardo, Schumacher, Verstappen, Gasly, Hamilton, Giovinazzi. Can you even predict that? You, you can't. It's just outrageous. But I think driver of the day for me, Kunal, has to go to Valtteri Bottas because he was the one <laughs> who actually created all the drama for us. It's just outrageous how good of a race this was. But for a second, Gunal, we have to answer the very, very genuine question, right? Was this literally one of the best races ever? It's a, it's a disputed one, but so many elements that made it good today. And there's another one coming in the news only right now that Sebastian Vettel has been disqualified. Yeah, it just popped up just when yeah. we hit record and go live and all those messages started coming and the FIA... Of course, you know, released it officially. But, you know, when when I read the original ruling where it said they could only find some 0.3 liters of fuel in Sebastian Vettel's car, I knew that this is what's going to, you know, sort of happen. And I remember Aston Martin is the same team that was Racing Point that was Force India. And, and I remember there was one race at Force India, Paul de Resta in the top 10 at a British Grand Prix. And he was, he had, he had, he was one kilo underweight or something for fuel reasons and uh i can't again like i said you guys know by now i don't remember my history as well but yes it was it's fettel is out uh he's disqualified and maybe the fi saw it coming because you know just after the race he said if they want to disqualify me for my t-shirt they may as well do that i will do it again but i think this time fettel will turn around and say damn it i will never do that do this again please make sure you give me that bit of fuel extra that you need. But maybe, Samuel, you and I should discuss uh, what this whole ruling is about. There's a lot of outrage uh, because, you know, Hamilton has been promoted in in the championship as this color signs. And maybe we should discuss what uh, and why Sebastian Vettel has actually been disqualified for the race. And yeah. is it's okay. I, I know I'll break into a monologue here, but guys, the FIA have a post-race inspection procedure. Uh, They've had it for years now. It is to make sure that all cars are compliant to the formula of Formula One, right? And in this case, it's also down to, you know, the fuel and the the ruling states that you are supposed to have a liter of fuel in the car for inspection, right? The refueling procedure and the fuel removal procedure is standard. So teams know what goes in and what comes out, right? But in Fettel's case they couldn't get more than you know 0.3 liters or 300 ml uh, of fuel and that's why he was reported to the stewards and you know this is this is no longer gray area you know as it's been in the case of all the on track skirmishes this is black and white sommel uh, you've of course you know commentated on several races uh, as well yourself this was a ruling uh, this was a decision that most of us saw coming as you know crystal clear that fettel would be disqualified That just was coming all the way through. Uh, You can't bend the rules, right? It's not like, oh, but he's only 0.7 litres down. So, I mean, it it just is the FIM. And we would have loved to see him finish where he was. And because it was such an amazing drive, 
And the way he constantly attacked Ocon, the way he pressurized was so amazing, the way he kept everything up and managed strategy was pretty good. Could have been better, one may say, and Sebastian was the first one to admit it, that maybe he could have gone even harder than that one. But still, he's disqualified, he's out of the race. And this means that Kunal, I was thinking midway through the race, watching all the drama, watching all the pandemonium, that this feels a lot like an 80s Formula 1 race. And with someone running out of fuel, that just mixes everything up and makes it feel even more like an 80s Formula 1 race. But no, the ruling is clear. This just means that Carlos Sainz, by the way, goes into the midway break many points ahead of Charles Leclerc. Just let that sink in. But more on the midfield, more on Leclerc, more on everyone later on. Now, for a second, Gunal, we... Uh, I know, it's a, it's a bit of an outlier, but we have to speak about that crash. It was, as I mentioned earlier on, it was just Valtteri Bottas proving himself to be driver of the day by giving us such a good race. But genuinely, in a situation like this, there have been major questions about the penalty handed to Bottas. Now, it makes no sense to discuss what exactly happened, because you, me, everyone, we've all seen what has happened in the race. But is a five-place grid drop too lenient when Hulkenberg, I think for Spa 2019, got a ten-place grid drop for doing something very similar? Does the rain influence the stewards' ruling just a little bit? Well, you know, we are in this era right now where everyone's just questioning leniency of decisions when it comes to the FIA. And uh, I honestly don't have a view on this. I mean, it, it was Bottas and unfortunately, you know, uh, it took out Norris. You know, it broke, broke Norris's streak as well. Uh, in my view, I'm sure the FIA have taken everything into consideration. And, you know, I, I have two things to say. One is, of course, hopefully something that you guys find funny. The second is a lot more serious. So I'll, I'll go with the serious one first, because probably that's a uh, that's the easier one. And, you know, to my mind, uh, the conditions at the first start of the race weren't as bad as, you know, as one would have expected. I'm a little surprised with the kind of tires that Pirelli sort of have, because, you know, in the past eras, we've had tires that actually allowed drivers to go racing. And, you know, for Valtteri to be skidding as though he was racing on ice, maybe the questions also need to be asked if Pirelli's inters and vets need to be brought up to a level where we can actually race in conditions rather than hope that, oh, little bit of rain is too much rain. So that's hmm. one serious thing parked aside. The funny thing is, you know, Valtteri's partner, uh, and I don't know her name, but she's a very famous cyclist, Tiffany right? Trumbull. She went, yep. yes. T Tiffany, was, was yeah. that the name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she, of course, you know, was uh, at the Olympics. And I, sus I, I think Valtteri missed a thing or two by not being a part of Finland's shooting squad because <laughs> he hit both the Red Bulls. Of course, he hit, you know, Lando Norris, <laughs> but he actually hit both the Red Bulls. It was, it was like, you know, my friend Pankaj Advani, the multiple-time snooker champion. He would call that. He actually snooked Formula One cars on track. That's a good flex, Kunal. That's a good one by mentioning that you're good friends with Pankaj Advani. <laughs> mind-boggling stuff. Just as mind-boggling as Bottas's accuracy was. Leclerc said, it's a bowling game. And I literally shouted strike when they crashed out on the first lap. <laughs> amazing, amazing accident, that one. But, but also, folks, before we move on to anything else, uh, one thing that's just popped up in my mind. Last three French Grand Prix winners, Ocon, Gasly, Panis... All three of them winning from midfield uh, cars, blue midfield cars, by the way, in unforeseen circumstances when all the leaders were taken out. 
and they won from the midfield and what else what was the other coincidence yeah it, it is just a crazy that all the last three french formula 1 grand prix winners have not been favorites per se and the last one you can think of was prost as i mentioned back in the 80s madness madness that's happening right now right in this case but kunal that's enough on the crash now was it a howler in a way from hamilton of course as you can see on the screen right now as, as we showed this beautiful photo of hamilton being the only one on the starting grid you've got to wonder right was this a howler and, and this has generally raised quite a few questions we've got a fair few on instagram as well about what if hamilton has box what would that be as interesting a race that's one from manav of course in a situation like this one but genuinely it was not mercedes making the call was it you're not allowed to uh instruct your driver in a situation like this it's the driver who takes the call so that mistake was purely hamilton's one in that case i think i have a bit of a correction that i actually mm-hmm. had to end up reading after this right okay. and uh, since you're talking about mercedes and hamilton i have to say i have to ask you who your manscaped lawn mower moment of oh. the day was for me most definitely it was valtteri bottas right oh, he did exactly yeah but i must say the manscaped lawn mower 3.0 that's there yeah. does better in wet conditions that's what you know that's what the research <laughs> says at least somewhere <laughs> well Stroll was certainly out there uh, advertising it because he literally cut the lawn <laughs> before he b- became a bowling ball tremendous <laughs> <laughs> but yes back to back to hamilton mercedes and and uh, mm. then the restart Uh, so the first formation lap when Antonio Giovinazzi drove in, hmm. right? That was when drivers cannot have this conversation or teams cannot have these conversations about pitting, and that was the decision that the driver would made make, right? By my understanding, Samuel, the second restart was actually not a formation lap because there was a lap deducted from. the overall lap count of the race it was just a lap where the safety car let them to a, to the grid and they had a restart so on that lap my understanding is that the teams and drivers were no longer under that formation lap clause that prohibits them from talking about strategy Ooh. so at that point and and toto wolf owned up saying that was our mistake we you know we we didn't call lewis in and maybe i would have done the same thing in the case of toto you know it is so difficult to make this uh judgment it's so difficult to make this rule when you are the team that's leading the race and that's exactly what toto said as well that yes yeah. it's so difficult to call it uh, right and imagine you know if if it wouldn't have worked out right then suddenly we would have all been like yeah who gives up track position at the hungaro ring you know yeah. so it's it goes it goes both ways and very interestingly somebody pointed out again on twitter that even if lewis would have let's assume pitted right he would have carried the entire field and of course it would have been a farce a farcical start mm. the fi lights would have gone out for literally no one but this the interesting point that i read was that even if lewis would have pitted the entire field would have gone in and then maybe lewis would have lost even more track position yeah. because of you know him needing to wait till they actually found a safe spot to release him again hypothetical scenarios hypothetical situations uh the truth is hamilton brilliant race from from last of you know after the first uh, after the fifth lap or sixth lap climbing up all the way he was about to undercut or he wanted to undercut and then overtake the entire field he almost did that hmm. till till a beautiful thorn 
called Fernando Alonso came his way. More on that in a couple of minutes. But let's answer this question that we've got Manav answering, uh, asking on social media. And you can do, by the way, send in your questions when we, whenever we have a race preview or race review coming up. We'll always love to answer this one. One from Manav. Would the race be so interesting if Lewis Hamilton would have started from the pit lane? And of course, there was Shilp also pointing out the same thing, that it would have been awesome if nobody would have been right there to take the FIA lights. But... Let's let's answer this one. Uh, generally, would the race be half as interesting if Hamilton actually would have boxed Kunal? Well, you never know. I mean, maybe he would have uh, not been last. You know, for for a second, uh, <laughs> he actually did better, and the race became interesting. Uh, you know, because he was last after after the first uh, you know lap. Uh, you know, after the second restart, and uh, that that's actually a good point because that was. Uh, that moment where nobody knew what was happening in the race. Everyone was just like, let the guys keep going round and round and we will see what we need to do later. Let the tires start degrading. Let let some degradation, graining, etc. happen. And that was a moment commentators didn't know. Even the teams probably didn't know what to do. So they were all waiting for something to happen and somebody to pull uh, the trigger. And, you know, coincidentally, it was Hamilton and, uh, and uh, Mercedes that pulled the trigger by yeah. bringing him in and then doing the whole undercut on Ricardo and, and Fettel. So I think it was a great race uh, from a racing point of view, from a strategy point of view as well, Samuel. Genuinely got me hooked on all the way through the end. And and that's what racing should have. You don't need wheel-to-wheel battling all the time. You sometimes need a mixture of it. Some good strategy, some good wheel-to-wheel racing as well, which we saw with Alonso and Hamilton. More on that in a few minutes. But I think... Before we take a couple of seconds worth of break, let's answer this question that's come up from Madan Manav. Uh, and, and it's a lovely one. Ferrari was always knowing that Hamilton was going to pit again. Could Ferrari have pitted signs too for the undercut? And it's a it's a genuine question, this one, Kunal. Because, uh, again, we saw that signs was uh, defenseless, answerless, basically, when Hamilton came around. Could they have done something extra in that case? Maybe boxed a little bit? That would have mean would have meant. I'm sorry, my English grammar has gone for a toss. But that would have meant that they would have lost track position to Alonso. I mean, in the end, it's worked out well because they've got a podium. But still, it one wonders what could have happened. Well, you know, before we even jump to that move, the question is: What if they would have pitted signs when yeah. Ferrari wanted him to pit? Ah, and that one, yes, it was so Ferrari. Where they said, okay, Carlos Pitt. And then he's literally, you can imagine him pleading, you know, <laughs> like both his hands, taking taking them off the steering wheel and begging, saying, guys, please don't. Let's not pit. I have the pace. Trust me, guys. It was, you know, I actually, you know, I actually remembered Sebastian Vettel because, you know, Vettel was sitting in that car doing all the strategy for Ferrari. And, you know, thankfully for Ferrari, not only have they found a driver who's quick, they found somebody who can run their strategy as well. You, Carlos, if you turn into a strategy engineer at some point in the future, I'll take some royalties for helping you make that decision, you know, as your executive coach. But yeah, I mean, let's first say if they if they would have pitted Carlos at the time when they said they should pit, they probably wouldn't have had the podium today because mm. it, it, of course, at the now looking back, seems like it would have been uh, the wrong strategy. It was good they waited because they then ended up battling with Lewis Hamilton. They also called in Carlos at the right time. 
you know, when they actually pitted him because uh, he had a 25 second gap and he pit, you know, he pitted when he had a 22 second gap to mm. go and so on. And talking about, you know, when Lewis pitted, why could Carlos not uh, have pit himself, especially knowing that, uh, you know, Lewis will make the stop. Now, unfortunately, that's again the car leading principle that exactly. comes into play at a track like Hungaro Ring. And that's what Hamilton did last year with Max Verstappen. And this year he did it with Carlos Sainz, you know. And uh, But I'm so glad Hamilton pitted. And, you know, my mind keeps going back to the whole Fernando Alonso, you know, like like the title says, you know. Ocon won the race, but Alonso won our hearts again. More on that in a second. But yes, as for science, I mean, it doesn't take much to be a Ferrari engineer, seemingly. I mean, from the looks of things, you can do that while (laughs) driving as well these days. That's two drivers doing that. Just seems like a vote of no confidence in in their pit department, which, which for the fans has been happening for the last three years. They've called them things like clowns. In red jerseys. Uh, I don't believe that same view. But it is alarming to see how sometimes Ferrari can be off the shot. Again, it's a hard job. Give them some respite. They've done a good job today. Well-deserved podium. But here on Pitch to Podium and the Inside Line F1 podcast, back in a couple of seconds. Stay where you are and we shall be back with more on Alonso and Hamilton's battle. More on Williams and some other questions also that we've got to answer from social media. Stay right here. Here in a second. Welcome back, folks, to the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits to Podium. And we were having a tremendous discussion about, about science pitting. Should they have undercut, perhaps? Should they have done something about Hamilton? So make sure that you rewind back a little bit and check out more on that in case you missed it. But, Kunal, we've got other aspects to discuss, other fun things to dive into as well about this race. And let's, for a second, speak about this This just outrageous battle and and more on Fernando Alonso because this was not just an Alonso masterclass in defense but also an Alonso masterclass in statesmanship probably the first time ever that he's done something quite like this for a teammate have you you ever seen (laughs) Fernando Alonso be so generous his defending was a masterclass he was like a brick wall that would not be broken 13 consecutive laps or something there or thereabout that he stopped Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton, once he got past, signs was broken down in one lap. Alonso held him up for that much longer when Lewis had fresher rubber in relation to when he had with signs. Let that sink in. It was memories of 2007, Kunal. And honestly, it's a bit of a travesty that they've shared the track for so many seasons, but we have only seen a Hamilton versus Alonso battle on track a handful of times. This was just, honestly... I think this has to be the best on-track battle that we've seen in F1 since Alonso versus Vettel back in 2014 in Silverstone. (laughs) So I'm going to read out Tire Life, right? Uh So Hamilton's hearts were, or he was on actually mediums, they were 23 laps old by the end of the race. Uh, Carlos Sainz's hearts were 38 laps old and then Alonso's hearts were 31 laps old. So just, you know, my mind, my mind that, uh, you know, my mind just goes to that battle because... Uh, yes, he did something for the team. Uh, the team immediately acknowledged and told Ocon. Ocon acknowledged it in public, which was fantastic. I loved how, mm. you know, Alonso went and hugged Ocon and so on. But something that uh, the official broadcast missed, uh, but one of the partner channels of Formula One actually threw up, was when uh, Fernando Alonso uh, was being interviewed by that channel. Uh, Max Verstappen comes up and pats Alonso on the back, on on his back. And then, you know, they, of course, fist bump and so on. Then Alonso actually says, I tried my best. And mm-hmm. we all know in what context, uh, we can assume in what context Fernando Alonso actually said that, right? So, like I said, he he's 
it's so great and this is why alonso is back in formula 1 he can't win races right now but he's able to influence outcomes when he has the chance he's able to do all these heroics that are there and mind you somel i think we are being like the f1 you know director of the of the world feed today we are actually not speaking about esteban ocon at all despite the you know frenchman having a very rough last 3 years uh, you know winning his first ever grand prix Yeah, uh, let, let's get to that in one second. But I have to reference the amazing questions that we have got. One from Arindam from my POV: Alonso and Hamilton were just equally fabulous. What do you think? One hundred percent, they were on top of their game. This is the sort of racing that we all love to watch. And then, of course, one from Saeed Afif: Can you start a petition from Fernando Alonso to be in a championship-winning car next year? Yes, 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 hundred percent. We we love to see that, and also one from Shilp as well. All respect for Ocon. What a drive that one was! Seriously, Kunal, this is just tremendous. But I think let's get to Ocon in a second. Let us uh, let us give you up. Oh, apologies for that. In case you see Kunal in a slightly bigger view on the video, things happen with OBS. the normal stuff but yes let's speak about the stats review right now sundaram is finally back with the stats review this time out and this will give you more context on ocon's win so that we can speak about it more in depth in a couple of moments so here goes time for a stats review with sundaram thank you samuel it's time to do the stats review of that action filled and chaotic hungarian grand prix but before getting into the numbers i think it's fair to share my two cents of how that race panned out If you're an Alonso fan, you would have obviously loved that race, especially his duel with Lewis Hamilton in those last 10-15 odd laps. But still, it was a very bizarre race on so many different counts. For example, Nicholas Latifi and Yuki Tsunoda running P3 and P4 up until the first round of pit stops, and then seeing both Williams' cars and the Alfa Romeo of Kimi Räikkönen finishing ahead of Daniel Ricciardo. Now, that's usually a very fast McLaren, but it's shows that he's clearly struggling to adjust in that car this year and something that was very very weird was seeing Lewis Hamilton being the lone car on the grid at the time of the restart and also after the race because Esteban Ocon at Sebastian Vettel had parked elsewhere on the circuit and had to run up to the podium area but one thing i would like to say is that it's nice to see these sort of races every now and then because uh, it kind of builds confidence and builds the sort of you know excitement in the sport that we usually tend to see not 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 really that all that much because it's usually the title contenders and the bigger teams that are fighting for wins and podiums and here we have someone from the younger generation a young kid uh, who's totally coming out of the blue and he's been given the opportunity to lead a race and he does not drop it at all so kudos to Esteban Ocon for having a flawless race and these sort of races usually give us a lot of stats and facts and I'm probably going to be up all night digging all those stats for you guys so definitely keep an eye for our stats rundown article that's going to go up on the website in a couple of days but here are my favorite stats from this particular race now hungary has been hosting the hungarian grand prix for the last 36 years but this is the very first time we've had a red flag at this circuit 36 long years and the first red flag ever And now that was because of that first lap collision. Valtteri Bottas shunting into Lando Norris because he couldn't brake in time, and he took a, and he took along a couple of other cars with him. But this was Valtteri Bottas's first time, a first ever time he's had a first lap retirement in 167 race starts. So it goes to show that he's usually a very consistent driver, someone who tends to stay away from danger. Today was a bit of an unlucky day, and he's had his first first lap retirement. Now we have to talk about the championship contender Max Verstappen. He finished the race P10 and was 
running out of the points for most part of the race uh, but this was his worst race finish since the 2016 season uh, but it was a bad day for him the last two races i would say but today's hero was clearly the alpine team esteban ocon and fernando alonso driving brilliantly well and taking alpine's first ever race win under the alpine moniker now there's technically still a renault team so that means it's their first race win since the 2008 singapore grand prix now, there's a very interesting stat that i managed to find about alpine's current drivers and alonso his first f1 race win was at the hungaro ring in a renault powered car today esteban ocon's first ever race win is at the very same track in a renault powered car Now there was one other driver who's managed to do this that was Damon Hill in 1993 who was driving for Williams Renault back then and even he managed to win with Renault powered car at this very circuit and out of those three Damon Hill and Esteban Damon Hill and Fernando Alonso managed to win championships hopefully Esteban Ocon can do that as well once the new regulations kick in next year and lastly we have to talk about the Williams team now the Williams team managed to take their first ever points since the 2019 German Grand Prix that is 37 races ago a very very emotional race for them and George Russell especially and Hamilton Lewis Hamilton in these many in these 37 races has managed to score 727 races uh, points while Williams managed to take their first points in a very very long time today and also the first time they took double points since the 2018 season so quite a few stats in fact from this race i hope you guys enjoyed this But yeah, keep an eye for that uh, article that's going up on the website, and I'll catch you guys after the summer break. Hope you guys have a nice one. Well, just a small correction that Sunarma has told me to make on his behalf. The last time Renault won was in Japan, two thousand and eight. Another, another fun race, slightly forgettable that one, considering all that happened right there. But but just amazing to see the context that Sunarma has laid down on this one, and and he's so right about younger drivers getting the chance. Younger drivers finally coming up again. We saw Gasly last year. We're seeing Ocon this year. It's just phenomenal, and the career of Esteban Ocon so far, Kunal. It's always been labelled with doubt. It's always been more like, yeah, Ocon is he good enough? Ocon, he's too aggressive. He's not fast enough, and that sort of stuff. And he had to spend a year outside F1, and and when you hear his backstory, how he has come into Formula One, the kind of struggles that his family has put in, it just is so emotionally satisfying to see the celebrations. I, I was. I I couldn't stop smiling for for the next hour after the race ended. It was that special. What a man! What a win! And 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 let's not take anything away from him. The way he held on his composure when you have a four-time world champion charging behind you, stunning. I I think that was that was very rightly put, Samuel. A four-times world champion. Uh, you know, we didn't miss all, or rather, we missed all the times that Fettel probably made an attempt, mm-hmm. put him under pressure, on in DRS, out of DRS, under braking, and so on. but the tv directors almost never caught the battle at the front right there was a blue and a green car which is uh, which was leading and uh, that's pretty unusual for for them as well so maybe they were just waiting for a black and a purple car to show up at some point but uh, i think ocon uh, has laid to rest hopefully the all the questions that everyone asked uh you know about uh, his his performance his three or extension with alpine after his you know poor run of form for four races out of the last five or something the whole chassis change that happened after the french grand prix right and and to to me that uh, that just shows you know he's a talented guy he didn't win on luck 
he actually worked for it he it's not that he you know he he had to you know drive well for a few laps of the race he was being hounded for you know 65 laps of the race and he 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 pretty much mastered that very very well so uh you know hats off to Esteban Ocon and you know like we spoke about earlier the way you know Fernando Alonso uh supported the team in itself was mm. pretty pretty heartwarming to see genuinely it was so good as we mentioned Alonso playing the role of a statesman and feels like Alonso has matured in a way at the age of 40 I mean I, if you know what I mean Alonso has always been more of the raw world championship type of driver where from the outside at least it seems like he's very selfish wants exactly what he wants to but I think it's just a way of top drivers like Senna did used to do it Prost used to do it you see Hamilton do it nowadays as well it's just what the best of the best do but so awesome to see Alonso in that role but emotions were running wild emotions really were running wild right here because along with Ocon as well there was reports of onions being cut at Williams canal Williams after 2018 finally getting not 2018 but finally getting a double points after 2018 they got points uh, at Hockenheim in 2019 but was it really points that that one was a bit crazy only one with Kubica but now after Sebastian Vettel's disqualification they don't just have 6 points in the constructors championship i think they have 8 this is something that russell has been working for for such a long time the entire williams crew you've seen them gone through thick and thin to finally see them not just get points but double points is outstanding but even in this situation kunal Russell has been beaten by his teammate who gets more points just like Kubica back in 2019. This is this this poor guy. I mean even though he's gone out there and put out his best performance with Williams in terms of a point scoring perspective, just gets beaten by teammate again. He was you know for the longest everyone <laughs> wondered if Latifi would just manage to even put it onto the podium and Exactly. He's third. It, it's just it's just the luck of being George Russell I guess, yeah. you know, but I'm glad there were no breakdowns in his in his car which is also what's happened several times and you know he he was of course interviewed by all broadcasters he was he was there for via sport via play as well and he actually said that uh you know they deserved points uh, at several other races as well but you know this time luck took their side and that's why they scored the points i think it's phenomenal they jumped not uh they they jumped Haas in in and Alfa Romeo both mm. in in the in the constructors uh championship and you know this means a lot of money for Williams as well going into the summer break you know Valtteri Bottas has made a mistake George Russell has delivered a brilliant <laughs> performance for Williams the whole psychological scenario you know driver contracts being up for discussion i don't know which way it's going to go but you know the momentum definitely seems uh you know to be in George Russell's way just the way momentum is suddenly in Mercedes's way they've yeah. they've turned deficits in the last two races into uh you know into uh, le- having a sizable gap in in the drivers and the constructors championship samuel yep uh, lay down more context on that with a stunning stat but we have to answer this question firstly from uh, rohit right now it's a good one why did george have to give up his positions post the restart didn't the issue happen because of mazepin and giovinazzi by the way mazepin and raikkonen that was craziness unsafe release by raikkonen mazepin seeing his suspension broke off a uh, breaking off in the most docile crash of the millions of crashes that we seemingly saw in hungary but no what happened was george carved his way past the pit lane he he took an undercut in a way and he passed cars he was not supposed to pass and that is why he was allowed, he was supposed to give back all the positions it had nothing to do with the crash that happened he just sneaked out a little bit of space right there and went ahead but now 
now that we've spoken about Williams and their emotional roller coaster, now that we've spoken about Ocon and the emotional roller coaster that has been for them, it will feel, in a sporting sense, like a funeral in the Red Bull team garage right now. Both their cars knocked out. I mean, Max got a point, but that's really not much in this situation. Yeah, you might say Brazil 2008, and generally does matter, but this, they've lost Kunal, can you believe it? They've lost 48 points in the last two rounds to Mercedes and Hamilton. Verstappen, that is. It's, it's just outrageously huge, this gap. And, and this is why we often say, right, a championship is not just one on pace. A championship is not just one on paper. Say back in 1982, a season that I am a geek about, it was Ferrari who were clearly the fastest. It was Renault who were clearly the fastest. And who won the championship? KK Rosberg and his Williams. Like, like Brabham as well back in 1985, wasn't it? So, not 85, 83. It, it always happens. We always see sometimes that a team that is much, much faster, they get bad luck at times. They they get taken out in crashes. And in this case, for Red Bull in the last couple of rounds, neither of it was their fault in a way. It wasn't. And it's just so unfortunate. Max Verstappen uh, being taken out uh, on the first lap by a Mercedes. That's become like the standard, so to say. It's unfortunate. Oh, uh, and, you know, I was listening in on the post-race radio exchange between Christian Horner and, and Max Verstappen, and I could actually sense the despair in their voice. Of course, I'm no psychologist who's able to, you know, uh, read into these things. But one of the things Christian Horner actually said was, don't worry, Max, luck will come our way. And mm. that's what it seems like, because they have the quickest car on on, on the grid, and, you know, Mercedes has just somehow managed to bring a halt to their charge, to, to Red Bull's charge. And that's what they're all, you know, now trying to figure, how do we correct that? So uh, going into the summer break, again, you know, Mercedes will carry positive momentum and Red Bull will just be wondering, just hit us that we were yeah. comfortably in the lead. And now, boom, we, we, are, we are, you know, back to be back to chasing Mercedes all over again. And... And the pace looked good from Red Bull as well this weekend. But Mercedes were faster in qualifying. Even though we saw the mind games happen, Mercedes were the ones who got the got the better lap in. And, and Max as well. You were struggling without a barge board. Of course, you will struggle without a barge board. But it's now created a situation where we genuinely are not aware if the Red Bull is the faster car or the Mercedes. And, and only a couple of rounds ago in Austria, we were saying, well, the championship is done. Not we, but many people on Twitter were saying that, oh, championship is done. Max is dominating now. It's just too good. Formula 1, Canal just always springs up something so special. And look at it for the second drivers as well. Lando Norris is now beating Bottas and Perez, heading into the summer break. Madness. Incredible. And, you know, I still am convinced that it's Red Bull that's the faster car. Uh, in Hungary, it was the hotter temperatures in qualifying that let Mercedes be quicker. So I was pretty positive that had conditions stayed as cool as they were because there was a rain shower in the afternoon. There was rain then as well it would have probably worked to Red Bull's advantage. But that's all said and done. Uh, you know, it was it, it is what it is. That's that's also coincidentally what Christian Horner said. And uh, there will, of course, be a larger impact on the team, given the whole budget gap. They had a 1.8 million oh, crash yes. in Silverstone. I expect, uh, you know, a similar, well, not a similar, but he had two cars, you know, one car, literally, it was like a Terminator, you know, Max's car. One mm -hmm. side, the left-hand side was perfect. The right-hand side was all scratched and removed. And I think there was a point when he had more bandages on the car or pretty much, you know, after the after the restart that happened, right? But that's just how it goes. Uh, just wait. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's going to be a number that Christian Horner will say. He'll just do 
yeah, that cost us for, you know half a million dollars uh, for Perez's car and uh, or for Max's car. Hmm. And then uh, three million for Perez's guys. He's just going to throw a number, and we'll just be like, "Yeah, okay, that's what it cost uh, Red Bull Racing." Actually, it might be uh, a big number because Sergio Perez might just have to take an engine change, which might give him a grid drop. So the next time we come up to Belgium, it might be Bottas with a grid drop, Perez with a grid drop, Stroll with a grid drop. Some fun results might come into qualifying. Watch out for Yuki Tsunoda. <laughs> early prediction. But hey, fun questions to ask. There's one uh, that we have to answer about Sebastian Vettel, thrown in by our colleague Nityanan. He's asked, why does FIA need a fuel sample? It's a, it's a good one. Why, why does it's- FIA need a fuel sample? And, and it, there's a long history of this because we've seen sometimes teams... Uh, well, let's just say... Uh, uh, <laughs> I want to speak about Tyrion in the 1984 Formula 1 season and the and the lead cool brakes and all that and whatever they did. But largely, sometimes teams use ingenious solutions, don't they? They do. And, you know, your history is perfect when it comes to this. Teams the in the 80s. past have, have used banned additives in their fuel. So the FIA said, we will check for all fuel samples as a standard procedure post-race mm-hmm. for that check we need one liter of fuel. So if you need 100 liters for the race, for example, put 101 liter because we will take that one liter out. Yeah. And that's that liter is what Vettel didn't have. And it's been there. It's a standard procedure. It's 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 why the, the FIA police the sport. Mm. And well, you can't, you can't fault the FIA for a team not following uh, the instructions. And, you know, Otmar, of course, said, We've, uh, you know, there is fuel, but the regular extraction pump isn't able to extract it. But that's again where standardization comes in. The FIA says, this is a standard procedure. By this pump, we need one liter of fuel. The team's done it, uh, you know, for several races. And suddenly in Hungary, uh, you know, that pump didn't sort of work. So the FIA doesn't take that as an excuse. They're saying, this is the pump. Even if it means that the pump is taking a liter and a half of fuel, we don't care, but this is the pump you'll continue to use. Of course, I'm just giving a, a, a lame example saying this is the pump that one needs to use. So, yeah. you know, Otmar's whole point about well, we have a calculation of how much fuel went in before and after and all doesn't matter. It is what the pump says after a point. Well, as it's happening, I just got a WhatsApp notification which said that Aston Martin are going to appeal the disqualification. Of course they are. Well, if of this course. is the case, it's it's not going to work out. Well, just do it like BAR back in 2005. Just slap in an extra fuel tank, hide it somewhere and hope that nobody ever finds it until they do. Read about that story ever. It's just a crazy one. But here's, here's one question to wrap off our podcast, which has been amazing so far. I'm having a gala time, just like the race. One from uh, one from Arindam. Uh, it's the first time you send, he sent in a question, he or she, I mean, I'm not quite sure. But thank you so much for sending in, mate. From my, uh, not from Arindam, I'm sorry. I am making a hash of it. One from Manav Sada, unfortunately. Do athletes feel their statements make more impact during the events in context to social issues? That has to be regarding Sebastian Vettel, of course, wearing a rainbow t-shirt, which which I think was a very commendable move. And considering the circumstance, it, I think, was a very strong message. But uh, what, what are your thoughts on this, Kunal? athletes and their voice really makes a difference. We've seen what Lewis Hamilton has been able to do over the last couple of years make such a positive impact on the sport. Oh, yes, Samuel, absolutely. You know, firstly, let's applaud these athletes for Mm. using their social platforms and their reach to amplify messages that the world actually needs to to read or to, to, to be aware of, right? 
Uh, I know there is a, a very polarized debate on whether they should do this, if they should do this, should it be all lives matter, black lives matter, V race as one, the LGBTQ plus and so on. But the fact is, if it's a, if it's a, a cause that you genuinely believe in, mm. use your reach and, and your status to try and bring some positivity around that. So that's what Sebastian Vettel did. That's what Lewis Hamilton has been championing all along. And, you know, I'm going to go back a couple of uh, days that were there, right? So the whole chatter after Silverstone and in, in, in on Thursday press conferences at Hungary was Hamilton and Verstappen at COPS, right? And uh, we had asked Hamilton a question saying, what is, you know, how, what were his thoughts after after the after the crash? And he actually turned around and said, it was done. I won the race. I went home and I channelized all my energy and time towards mission 44, yeah. right? So they are able to use all their, their energies into driving positive societal change. And guys, not everyone may agree if it's a positive change or if the society needs to change. But hey, it's not about you. It's what about these athletes feel. And I really applaud them for doing that, right? Yeah. And this is also, you know, going into focus of Lewis Hamilton being booed after qualifying, right. right? My view is that he was absolutely right within the rules to do what he did to Max Verstappen. That's been done and dusted. Mm. But somebody, you know, on my Twitter timeline, probably a Hungarian fan, wrote back saying Lewis's LGBTQ plus post that he put on Instagram against the, the stance of the Hungarian government. Mm probably annoyed a few pro-government fans or, you know, uh, or, or pro-government people who then ended up booing him at the Grand Prix. Of course, far-fetched thought, but all of these things happen. Hats off to Fettel for doing what he did and saying that he would do it again as yeah. well, Samuel. Fair, 100% fair from Hamilton. Again, I don't think you can link this to politics. As, as a closing note, it's more of a societal aspect and the base and root of it is Come on, man. Just be nice to everybody. What, what does it matter what their race or their gender or whatever it is? Just, just people, right, at the end of the day. So uh, I sort of have to applaud Hamilton and Vettel for doing what they are doing right now. But, folks, that is it for our Hungarian GP review on the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch the Podium. Just before we head into the summer break, it's not going to be a summer break right here. We've got more awesome stuff coming up for you right here, including live streams as we speak to multiple journalists, racing drivers, try to find out their takes on Formula 1s. And you can see the past episodes as well on the podcast and the Pitch the Podium YouTube channel, so you know exactly what to do. But folks, stay right here. And for all of your non-video entertainment or non-podcast business entertainment, check out the link down below in the description to follow Pitch the Podium on our social media handles. But folks, that's it from us right here. Thank you so much for being a part of this canal. Thank you so much for listening and watching, folks. And we shall see you, not in Belgium, before that, for lots of fun. See you guys and thank you so much, Roman. I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic summer break for us.